Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the fifth Sunday of the Easter season. Our order of service is in the bulletin, and we're going to begin with hymn number 529, Built on the Rock. Amen. Be 
loved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Almighty God, merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful. I have disobeyed you and justly deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for the evil I have thought, spoken, and done. And for the sake of my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. searches the heart, do you confess your sins of thought, word, and deed? Are you sorry for your sins? Do you look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness? And with the Holy Spirit's help, do you want to correct your sinful life? Then declare so by saying, yes. Yes. Upon this confession, I, as a called servant of the word, announce to you God's grace and the forgiveness of sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our scripture reading for this fifth Sunday of Easter is from Acts chapter 17, verses 1 to 12. Again, remember, instead of the Old Testament reading, we have these readings from the book of Acts during the Easter season telling us a little bit of the history of the early Christian church. This reading has the Apostle Paul going to the cities of Thessalonica and Berea. When they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started, to, started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men, who have caused trouble all over the world, have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. 
for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did a large, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Alleluia, alleluia, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, alleluia. I am the way and the truth and the life, says the Lord, alleluia. chapter 14, verses 1 to 12, reading that takes us back to Maundy Thursday evening, where Jesus encouraged those disciples and us as well to, to trust in him and gave such comfort and assurance to them and, and to us. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Let's sing our next hymn, hymn number 382, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. Or, that's the refrain. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Fails. 
chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. The Apostle Peter was inspired to write, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes men makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may be declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow believers in our living Lord and Savior, one of the world's most fabulous cities maybe could be described as Venice, Italy. Venice, Italy, a city that's built on water and sand and what this city has is it has canals instead of streets and it has gondolas instead of instead of cars. 
It's a fabulous city, and every year, so many tourists come there to look at this city, this city that is kind of known for its stability and its strength, despite the fact that, like I said, it's built on water and sand. And now, what's the secret of its enduring quality? Those buildings, they were built before we knew anything about the concrete pilings that are used to build those skyscrapers that reach up into the heavens. They were built before that, but the people of Venice, they came to know a little bit of a secret and they learned of a wood and actually it was probably just pine and oak that they used, but they learned that when they took those pine and oak logs, pounded them into the ground, into the water, pounded them in like that, what happened is that they were in an oxygen-starved area and because of that, that not only stopped decay but even made them get stronger and more stable underwater in the situation that they were in. And that foundation, it still supports that city today. Well, today, the Apostle Peter is talking in our reading about the foundation on which our faith is built. And like Venice, we could say that our faith is built on a foundation of wood. And what I'm talking about there, of course, is the cross on which Christ was crucified. And that foundation that we have on that wood is is so much stronger and so much more enduring, of course, than the foundation on which Venice is built. So much stronger, so much more enduring, and, well, our faith is founded on everything that Christ did for us there on the cross. It's not really founded on the cross. It's founded on what Christ has done for us. Or as our text would say it today, Christ is our cornerstone. Our faith, our hope for eternity, it's founded on Christ alone. And so we say, on him alone we build, and for him above we serve. The Apostle Peter was inspired to write this letter to Jewish and Gentile converts to Christianity who were enduring some pretty severe persecution for their faith. When Peter wrote this letter, it was getting harder and harder for Christians to live as believing children of God in this sinful world. And, well, actually, we could say that their circumstances are quite a bit like ours today because of the the way the world is so turning away from what the scriptures say. Well, so many Christians back then, they were wondering if Christianity really was worth it because of all of the troubles and the heartaches that they had to endure for the sake of their faith. Well, by God's grace, though, isn't it wonderful that we know that, that our faith in Jesus is more than worth 
whatever problems or troubles we could ever face in this life, the persecution that we would face for standing up for what the Bible says. Well, because what our faith in Christ does is it guarantees us eternal salvation. That means it's more than worth the troubles that we would face in this life. Well, just prior to our reading, what Peter did is he was encouraging those persecuted Christians and, and us today as well to continue in our faith, to live our Christian lives. And now in our reading, what he does is he gives us the reason and the motive for living those Christian lives. By God's grace, we've been called to faith in what Peter calls Jesus the living stone. The significance of Jesus being called a living stone here is that he's not just a rock or a boulder, but a stone that's used for building, a stone that should be built upon. And when we're called to faith, what happens is that we're attached to that living stone and we also are living stones. Living stones since our attachment to Jesus means that we have spiritual life. And now Peter says about that living stone that he is rejected by men. And the fact of the matter is, is that before we were called to faith, and, and anyone who is an unbeliever, well, before we were called to faith, we were guilty of rejecting the living stone. And even now, we still do have a sinful nature, and that sinful nature, it, it doesn't accept Jesus. It rejects him. It fights against him as hard as it possibly can. And that's why we need the constant help of God, the Holy Spirit, and his word to build us up and strengthen us in our faith so that we wouldn't reject that living stone either. So that instead of rejecting, we become more and more attached to Jesus, our living stone. Well, Jesus is rejected by men, but it says here, Peter says, he is chosen by God and precious to him. And just reminds us, we know that Jesus is the dearly loved son of God the Father. We know how much God the Father dearly loves his son and just think about what that always says to us. If God the Father loved his son, and he did, of course, well then think how much he must love you and me if he was ready to sacrifice his dearly loved son for sinners like you and me. Peter calls Jesus our cornerstone. And I think that oftentimes when we think of a cornerstone today, we think of a stone that's used in a building and, and on that building you print the date on which the building was, was officially built or officially started in its construction purchase, per, in its construction work. That dedicate or that dedication date for that building. 
That's what we think of, but see now back in Bible times when they would talk about a cornerstone or a, they were really talking more about a foundation stone and it was a major part of the building and without that stone, a, a, a building could come, come tumbling down is really the point. And so Jesus is our cornerstone. Christ is our cornerstone. Our faith is founded on him. Now Peter, what he also does is he calls Jesus a capstone in a stone arch. You'll think of a gothic, gothic arch that comes up like this. That top stone that's there would be called a capstone. Or, or if you thought of a doorway that came up and it had a stone going across the top, that would be the capstone. And now in either instance, if you pulled out that stone across the top or that stone at the top of the arch, what would happen is everything would end up falling apart because of that. It's that stone that holds things together. And now Jesus is our capstone, that living stone that holds everything together for us in the church. And now that just tells us a little bit about how valuable and precious he is to us. And we can't really understand or grasp how valuable and precious he really is. Well, Peter says, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Uh, the Jewish religious leaders, what they did is they should have received Jesus with open arms, loved him and saw him as what they'd been waiting for for all those years they saw him instead as a source of all their problems and grief when instead they should have seen him as the cornerstone or the capstone for their faith and their salvation. Well, Peter said Jesus was a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. This isn't to say that Jesus makes people reject him. Rather, it's a person's blind unbelief or his just rejecting of what our Savior says, not liking what he says that causes a person to stumble and to fall over Jesus. Peter says they stumble because they disobey the message. It's not Jesus' fault. It's, it's the unbeliever's fault. Well, by the grace of God, we've been attached to Jesus, our cornerstone. And, well, as long as we're attached to Jesus, our cornerstone, through faith, we're safe and protected for, for all eternity. Completely safe and protected. Peter says, the one who trusts in Christ will never be put to shame. But we do need to stay attached to Christ. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I often think if I were to go outside and cut a branch off of one of these pine trees that's around the church, well, it would look alive, but the branch would end up dying, of course, because it wasn't attached to its source of nourishment anymore. In the same way, we need to be attached to Christ because without that attachment, 
we have no spiritual nourishment. We wouldn't be spiritually alive and we need the spiritual nourishment that Jesus gives us through his word. Therefore, it'd be good for each of us to spend a few minutes and well, actually perhaps a whole lot more than that in God's word every day of our lives. Searching and studying the scriptures, it's good and necessary for us to gather together around the word and the sacraments so that we get the nourishment that we so desperately need. Jesus did say, apart from me you can do nothing. But the Bible does also say, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So the encouragement is there. Let's search the scriptures. Let's take advantage of our church's Bible classes and worship services, our synods booklets like the meditation booklet, the Forward in Christ magazine. Oh, I always print a Bible reading insert page that's with the bulletin and there's other Bible reading programs that you could take advantage of. And, and of course, we've still always had our church's daily devotions and services that are online that can be there to benefit you. Well, Paul said, the Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. <laughs> well, like a school book, possessing a school book, well, having the Bible is a great thing, but if it's just sitting on the bookshelf or if it's just sitting on the coffee table, if you don't know where it is, it's not going to be doing you a whole lot of good. So let's open our Bibles. Let's search and study the scriptures. Let's do it together since Christ is our cornerstone. On him alone, on his word alone we build and we have the perfect foundation, better than Venice, Italy has, of course. So let's build on it and be blessed by it. Peter describes us who have Christ as our cornerstone as a chosen people. Chosen? Now, we couldn't choose God, but God in his grace and mercy has chosen us, chosen us to be a part of his believing family. And he says that we're a royal priesthood. And well, since Jesus is our great high priest, he's our great high priest in that he sacrificed himself in order to pay for all of our sins. He made that one great sacrifice. And now we're Christ's priests. And as his priests, we have his authority, his command and, well, obligation to spread God's word, to spread the gospel, to pray for ourselves and for one another, for, for others, to serve God. Peter says that as priests we're to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. But now if you think about it, Jesus made the only sacrifice that's necessary to pay for sins. So the sacrifices that we can make, that's talking about our praise and our thanksgiving to God for all that he and his grace and mercy has done for us. 
and through faith in Christ. Those feeble efforts on our part to praise and thanks God, thank God for his blessings, they're going to be pleasing and acceptable to God. It's through faith that they are. Well, Jesus also made us, it says here, a holy nation. He washed away our every sin. We can look at ourselves and through faith in Christ, you and I are holy. We know we're the sinners that we are, but through faith in Christ, that's gone. We're holy. We're a holy nation. And as a nation, we're a nation that belongs to God. And he wants us to praise him for everything that he's done for us, taking us out of the spiritual darkness of this world and pulling us into the light of the gospel and into his believing family and into heaven forever to spread the news that we've seen the light of the Son of God. Peter said, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Oh, how blessed we are that Christ is our cornerstone. Oh, maybe think of one event in Jesus' life, Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector who had become wealthy by collecting more taxes from the people than he should have. He cheated so many people. And his actions hardly made him look like someone who had Jesus as his cornerstone. But one day, what happened for Zacchaeus is he heard that Jesus was in his area. And so he went out to see this Jesus. But because he was a short man, we know how he climbed up that sycamore tree in order to be able to see Jesus, to catch a glimpse of him through the crowd that was there around Jesus. Well, Jesus saw him and said that he wanted to stay at his house. And during that visit, during the whole time that Jesus was with Peter, was with Zacchaeus, the Holy Spirit was at work. He was calling Zacchaeus to faith, making him a believing child of God. And well, the Holy Spirit made Christ Zacchaeus's cornerstone. And that made such a change in Zacchaeus he then went on to work to try to right some of the wrongs that he had done by, by cheating so many people. And we can well imagine that he ended up spending the rest of his life serving Christ since by the grace of God, he knew that Jesus was his Lord and Savior. And when we think of that story of Zacchaeus and the great change that takes, took place in his life, well, the same change has taken place in our lives. And may God help us to be like Zacchaeus in that we spend our lives in service to Christ, our cornerstone, serving him, sharing his love, sharing the message of his grace and forgiveness. Oh, a story I like to refer to goes back to 1992. Hurricane Andrew had destroyed 
thousands of homes in South Florida. It made a path across South Florida that you could almost look at and see as a highway of which that, that, that hurricane had traveled. It looked like an absolute war zone where everything was destroyed, but there was one home, surprisingly, that remained standing. And a reporter went to that homeowner to ask about the fact that his home was standing, why his home hadn't been blown down like all the others had. And he replied, I built this house myself. I built it according to the Florida State Building Code. When the code called for two by six roof trusses, I used two by six roof trusses. I was told that a house built according to code could withstand a hurricane, and it did. Now the sad fact is, is that most of the destroyed homes, homes destroyed by Hurricane, hurricane Andrew, they, cut corners instead of following the code in our lives. When Christ is the cornerstone, when in faith we strive to be as close to our Savior and his word as we can, then nothing, nothing can really hurt or harm us. Nothing can really hurt or harm us either. May God the Holy Spirit so build up and strengthen our faith that each of us is always confessing with the hymnist, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. But Christ is that solid rock. With him as your cornerstone, your capstone, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. And let's confess our faith with the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. 
we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's pray. O God, you form the minds of your faithful people into a single will. Make us love what you command and desire what you promise, that among the many changes of this world our hearts may ever yearn for the lasting joys of heaven. We pray through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Oh, and in our prayers today, oh, we think of all of those people in our prayer list. We especially would think of Paula Burris continuing to deal with continuing to deal with her heart or with her heart and her leg and circulation issues. Deb Spitzley dealing with kidney and heart issues and, and some eye issues now as well. And well, we'll think about my wife dealing with some skin cancer issues and myself with the cancer issues that well, praise God in my instance because the doctor has said that yes, cancer was contained and lymph nodes clear. We, we pray, Lord God, as we think of the people I listed and we think of all of the people in our prayer list, we say, Lord God, if it's according to your will, grant healing, help people on the road to recovery, give people your help and your strength, Give everybody, give every one of us more and more of your grace and love. Help to make all of us living stones that are attached even more firmly to Jesus, the living stone. With him as our cornerstone. It could be cancer, it could be diabetes, it could be bad knees or bad hips or, or financial issues or other things, but None of those problems and troubles can really hurt the believing child of God when he has Jesus as his cornerstone. Please, through word and sacrament, please keep on working on our hearts and attach us always more firmly to Christ, our cornerstone, so that we have the greatest strength that there is, that there possibly could be. And we gather up all of the prayers we have tonight as we join in praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her. 
through the night with a light from above, from the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Again, thank you for joining me for worship today. Just a couple of announcements to share with you in the congregation this week. Well, Wednesday, Tony Alfaro, Sherry Dubois, Mark Janicki all have birthdays. Friday, Bob and Sherry Dubois have an anniversary. Thursday night, we do have a church council meeting at 6.30. I've told you about some of our, our prayer requests. And again, I just say to you, thank you for all your prayers for me, for my wife, and well, for all of the members of our, our church family. Again, thank you for joining me for worship. The Lord bless and keep you always. Amen.